Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan Lexi here. Hello. So um, I, I thought of an icebreaker that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's fresh on your mind. So the icebreaker is, why is Ruth Bader Ginsburg not a hero for women? <laughs> um, uh, so she just passed away last night at the point of us recording this. And the Bible does say that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. We hope that people would come to repentance. And, you know, we don't know what happened at her yeah. deathbed. Hopefully she did yeah. repent. Lexi and I were also talking this morning that Proverbs also does say that the city rejoices when the uh, wicked perish. And she was a woman that was in power that was wicked. So um, there is a certain degree of rejoicing when those kind of people are no longer in power. Correct. Anyways, we've been thinking through that today and talking about that a little bit today. So Lexi, why is Ruth Bader Ginsburg not a hero for women? Why should Christian women not be... um, kind of idolizing her as this statue of look at what all she's done for womankind. Yeah. She upheld, I mean, she upheld abortion laws. That's kind of where I was playing off of in my post, if anyone saw it. Um, so originally I saw someone that was saying it was a legacy for women that basically needed to be honored. And I was saying, no, that's not at Mm -hmm. all true. Um, she was completely dishonoring millions of little women by allowing for them to continue to legally be murdered. And um, that's kind of all that it comes down to, to be honest. Um, And yeah, like that verse you said from Proverbs, but also just the fact that um, I had multiple people telling me that I was insensitive for even commenting on such a time of grieving. But like you were saying, for Christians, we should know this is not a time of grieving. This is a time of the Lord's kindness to be um, finally causing Ruth to bend her knee to Jesus because that is what she's doing right now. Whether or not she wanted to hear, she mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has subdued her wickedness under his foot. And as Christians, we need to not act like that is a neutral topic. That is not a neutral topic. These are actual babies who are actually being murdered. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> for us as Christians <laughs> to want to celebrate wickedness is wicked itself. It shows a lot about our character as Christians. And so I just, you know, I, I made comments because this matters a lot. <laughs> We're about to enter into a really... Um, interesting season with the election right around the corner and um we are going to be held accountable for any careless word we say even if we are a christian feminist who simply wants to honor a fellow feminist Mm -hmm. not something that scripture says we are to hold and meditate upon and so i just that's why i took a stance and that's what i think about it (laughs) yeah jared posted something this week that was along the lines of um male chauvinism is evil and feminism Mm -hmm. is evil that we can't as Christians find Mm -hmm. any sort of value in the term feminism because it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not what Christian women want it to mean. That's not what the term means. It's not what culture has made it to mean. Um, So Christians, we can't, and the Sheologians podcast did a really good series on feminism and the 
history of like first, second wave feminism mm. and all this. Yeah. So that was a really good resource. If anybody is like, what's wrong with feminism? It just means women can vote and equality. Yeah. Um, I would recommend going back and listening to those because it was really helpful that, um, you know, even first wave feminism, this wasn't, this wasn't innocent, just equality for women. This has always okay. been about um, abortion and selfishness. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, just, yeah. Just it's important for Christian women to think through that stuff and not be caught up in the bandwagon of like, well, if you don't want women to be abused, then you should be a feminist because that's not, it's not the same thing. It it doesn't mean if you're not a feminist, then you're for like women being under the foot of a man in a very unhealthy way. That's not what that Mm -hmm. means. So um, it's important to educate ourselves on what feminism really was and how it's a very anti-biblical notion and stance. So well, yeah, and I, mean, yeah. I had someone ask me recently, they're like, really, what's the problem with the Christian who really is trying to live out a biblical idea of femininity, pursue Proverbs 31? Why can't they just call themselves a Christian feminist if it's within the bounds of scripture? And I'm like, well, because scripture just calls that obedient feminism. Uh-huh. We don't need an entire worldview attached to it from culture. It's simply mm-hmm. living out feminism. But I think we really want to divorce the tagline from the worldview and we can't do that. It's a package deal. Yeah. Yeah. At this point they can't be unattached. So anyways, interesting times, interesting (laughs) times in the world right now. And um, my dad said he just saw on the news that like a news reporter just came out and was like, just so everyone knows, this is the end of Roe v. Wade as we know it heard mm-hmm. that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death and it's like hopefully so I really hope so and um because she's a Supreme Court judge and supposedly you know well I don't know if it'll be able to happen before the election but Trump may mm-hmm. be able to appoint another Supreme Court judge and if he will then it will likely be a conservative yeah. um well so. and my thing and I think it's your thing too is I'm I have great optimism that the gospel re- will reach feminists, which is why I, I speak so sternly and um, boldly about it is because I know the answer to their problems. All of the critiques they have for culture and for men and for women, I know the answer and it's the gospel. And so yeah. I have no doubt that, that there will be a revival at some point among women, mm-hmm. um, but they can't earn a place at the table for themselves. Jesus did that for them. And so it's not trying to get all women to conform to their very, very tiny view of femininity is actually legalism. (laughs) So, so yeah, I just want women to understand it's not, it's not coming from a place of, I hate these people, but no, we have the actual answers and it's not social reform. It's the gospel. (laughs) Yeah. Well put. Okay. So we'll end the icebreaker on that note. That was a good, (laughs) that was a good, Good last statement for that. We're going to talk today about children's literature. Both of our families are big readers, and we've both um, put a high value on books and literature and reading to our children and raising little readers. So we thought we'd go through and talk about some of our favorites today. So why why do you guys um, put an emphasis on reading in your family? Or mm-hmm. in our family, it's just kind of happened naturally because Jared and I read a lot. So it's happened mm-hmm. naturally that like our kids see that as value, valuable and um, they spend a lot of their time doing wanting to do that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if we've ever really sat down and said like, this is why we value reading and books and literature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what about your family? Like, have you sat down and said, this is why we read more books than we watch TV or anything like that? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, for us, I remember, so we have a picture book. It's, I think it's just called Martin Luther and the boys, we, we read that to them from a pretty young age. And so they knew about the Catholic church. They knew about the reformation. They knew about what Martin Luther was doing. And so when it came time to start learning to read and talking about this exact thing, why do we want to learn to read? Why do we push through hard phonics lessons? Um, we were able to say like, you don't want people to be able to trick you. Like they were tricked in the reformation. They did not have access to the language that the scriptures were written in, they could not read. And we don't want you to be like that. We want you to be a man that can stand on truth and can stand on the word. Mm -hmm. So honestly, for us, the impulse is so that our children can learn to love words and love scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that practically how that does look like is just protecting their time. That's why we don't have a lot of television so that we can cultivate those affections for um, scripture first and then the written word afterwards. Cause you cannot be, you cannot be God's people and despise literature. Yeah. You can't be, you will be a fool eventually. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys navigate time when it comes to reading? Where do you find time um, for you and Brian to read and for your children to read? Um, okay, so Ari's our only main reader right now. Ira is just like very basic starting to dabble in letters. Um, so for Brian and I, we get up, we've been getting up at five because he's in a new St. Andrews class right now. And so my, after homeschooling in the afternoon, I don't always have the mental capacity to sit and read um, in the afternoon. So from five to seven is my reading time in the morning. There's no other way to get around a lot of reading except to do a lot of reading. <laughs> There's no silver bullet. Yep. So, um, and then in the afternoons, I do have an easy novel. So I'm reading some, uh, George McDonald right now, but um, for Ari, he is doing the Bible reading challenge with us this year, which has been really cool. Um, and he's learning how to prioritize that reading over other reading too. So he gets half an hour of assigned school free reading a day, which those picks come from our Ambleside curriculum. Um, but then after that, he gets to stay up. One of our deals is that, and Ira knows this too, once they learn how to read, they get to stay up after everyone else goes to bed to read. So um, that was a really big motivation for Ari to want to like get into the chapter books. So he gets to stay up for about 45 minutes longer than the rest of his siblings and just read whatever he wants to at night. So that's, that's usually in addition to him just being a reader and picking stuff up here and there throughout the day, he's usually got a solid hour and a half of reading a day usually. Cool. So. Jared, our, our schedule sounds a little similar. Jared gets up, he gets up at four and I usually get up at five and we do reading then. And that's when I do the mm -hmm. Bible reading challenge. And then I usually have time left after that to read in um, a book that I'm reading. And then after we put the kids to bed at night, we'll read usually for like an hour um, before we go to bed. Mm-hmm. And Ransom, he is just to read, so we do a lot of reading as a part of his school. So um, he has to read as a part of school, some simple books. And then in the afternoon, we'll usually sit on the porch and he'll read something to Valor and I. So mm. um, that's basically his time. But he's not, he's not like in chapter books ready yet. He's more like in Bob books and simple um, readers. Okay. Like yeah. one and two readers. So that's our oh, But once yeah. you start reading, it is just hard to keep them fueled. 
because yeah. they have so much more time than you do to sit and read all day if they want. So he yeah. already going through books like left and right. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, maybe we can start now with, um, should we do this in like categories of like little kid books and then move up to bigger kid books or how should we lay this out? Cause we could talk about children's literature all day long, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Let's, I guess let's do that. Okay. We could, even if we have to, we could even do a part two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll ask you a question though. Cause I was just thinking, so what was our first books to read? Like after we graduated from like step one and two readers then, cause I'm thinking like with ransom, what do I start giving him next? That will be very interesting to him to make him want mm -hmm. to continue on. Like, I just want to devour this book. Cause that's what I want to give him at this point is like, I want to read this very badly because I'm very interested where Jared and I read, we both have books going with him that we're reading to him and with Valor. Um, but those aren't things that he can read. Like he and I are reading Little House on the Prairie and him and Jared are reading Redwall. Have you guys read Redwall? Oh, okay. No, I, I'm a good friend of mine just recommended those and it's apparently a long series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very good yeah. about a brave little mouse um, that doesn't start out as brave, but, um, yeah. So like, he's really into both of those and wants to hear oh. those read aloud, but he's, I want to get him a book that he wants to devour mm -hmm. that he can do on his own. Um, yeah. So <laughs> probably not the most popular opinion out there. So we did, he liked the sell some science readers, um, S E L S A M. I'm trying to think of what some of the titles are. They're, they're like vintage science first reader type things. He loved those, but, um, Harry Potter was his, it just devoured him. Yeah. Harry Potter and Narnia were the two for him that he just, we actually got to the point where he has read Harry Potter so many times that we said, you can't read Harry Potter again until you read a different book. <laughs> so <laughs> that made him start branching out. But I do think it, and, and so, so Brian read all of Harry Potter to them and he wanted, I think Brian read it to them twice because if you guys don't know this, <laughs> my husband is a, an avid Harry Potter fan. Mm -hmm. So they wanted a third reading of Harry Potter and Brian said, no, we're not doing that. So Ari decided, okay, I'm going to read it myself then. So it could be a good idea at some point for you guys. If, if he does keep asking, like, I want to read that. I want to read that. I've heard, I heard her on, um, the read aloud revival actually say that for her readers, she will start a new series with them and then make them finish the series themselves. Yeah. So it, it did work with Ari. <laughs> Cause I have wondered at what point do I just like give them a big book and be like, do your best, you know, like you may not understand or be able to read every word in this, but do your best. And that's how you learn. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. That's Cause he totally has like learn. a phonics base and, mm -hmm. and I'm like, you can, you could do this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Speaking of the Harry Potter books, one of my, on my list of my favorites is we have done the um, Harry Potter, uh, the illustrated versions. Oh yeah, we have those ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. So those have been, those yeah, are huge. Fun. We did those with Ransom. Actually, I think that's what he started with was the illustrated ones. Because mm -hmm. they're just, they love to look at the pictures. They're just really cool pictures. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I clearly we're not scared of magic in books for our children too, by the way. No. <laughs> That's a whole different topic. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. So question on that then. Do you have a point where you draw the line with magic and stuff like that? Not necessarily like magic. Because I was just talking to Jared about this, about a book series that I got from the library. Um, 
that was about a girl that was a witch. And it's like, I don't know. And I just kind of prayed through it. Like, God, I'm surrendered to you in this. If this is not a book that you want me to read, then I'm okay with that because I'm totally okay with Harry Potter and like magic. And I love that kind of stuff. My heart is drawn to anything magical and I love Mm -hmm. fantasy. Um, but I don't, but I don't want to become desensitized to the fact that the Bible has clear things that it says about people who are practicing magic, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that there is a line there of like something that God's calling evil in the Bible, um, normalizing it in my own mind. So Mm -hmm. do you guys have a line for that? So the way Brian's always talked about it specifically with Harry Potter is that in the world, it's very clear that the power is a neutral power. And there are two groups of people trying to figure out how to harness it for good or for bad or for evil. Um, And he's often said, if we have to throw out Harry Potter, then we have an entire rich heritage of literature that we have to throw out with it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also with Harry Potter specifically, it's very clear that there are certain character traits she is elevating and certain character traits she is not elevating Mm -hmm. in the series. So that's, that's part of why, like, we've always been more comfortable with it. But um, if really, if you want to take it to its logical conclusion, then Narnia does have to get thrown out along with it. Mm-hmm. And we just, I think it's also like a, a flattened view of the world in a way to think that they live in a magical world and we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Tolkien talks about this a lot. God is the ultimate magic maker. The fact that he decided to make one world where leaves are green on trees and not purple and glowing was a very specific um, decision that he made. And so honestly, it's kind of sad to me that people are just completely blind to the magic that's going on around them. Um, that's philosophizing it in a way, but, but that is the reality is that there, there is magic in the universe that can be used for good or for evil. And God's children are not to use it to, to discern wisdom. My child is not trying to use Harry Potter to discern wisdom or himself using magic. So that's part of why. Yeah. Um, we have come to a place of we're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay with magical things in that sense. This was book was like a more of a modern witchcraft situation. Oh yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that there is a line there where like, like you said, like the magic and they do, um, call McGonagall a witch, I think in Harry Potter. Um, Mm -hmm. but like the modern day, I am a witch, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I practice herbal magics and crystal magics and things like that. It's like, okay, this feels very much like Old Testament, um, who God is saying to stone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a whole, like there's the witch Twitter verse that Brian Mm -hmm. and I have learned about recently. There was this hysterical thread where some baby witches, they call them baby witches had apparently, this is real, by the way, they say it's real. The baby witches had hexed the moon. And so the more mature witches were really upset because it was just going to like throw off the entire universe. And so they were going back and forth, basically swearing one another up the wazoo, cussing each other out. And then some Christian kindly comes in and says, Hey, I'm a Christian. I don't know what to offer, but could I pray for the moon for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, um, no, that's not where wisdom is folks. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, it's really funny. You're right. I mean, there is, there is a, and I think too, sometimes it can be child to child, I was very sensitive to things growing up and Harry Potter did scare me 
when I was Ari's age trying to read it. But when I picked it up in high school, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, you have to use discernment with these yeah. things, but I, I don't think it's just an easy yes or no yes. across the board. Agreed. Yeah. And I, it's the same for my personal reading. Um, I like to have a fiction book going. So I'm always looking for something fantasy and wonderful. So I have to be careful as I don't want, um, like I said a minute ago, I don't want my own heart to be desensitized to things like witches in a coven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to start thinking that that kind of thing is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, little kid books, you have given me some good, um, recommends on little kid books over the years. Um, Oh, you know, what was a really good one. The one about the mouse. Anatole. Yes. That was a really cute, the little French mouse that um, starts working at a cheese factory because he doesn't want to be dishonest. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really cute one. Okay. What's some of your other favorite uh, little kid books? Oh man. Yeah. Anatole is a pretty big one for us. We like the, um, like the kitchen night and St. George and the Dragon. Those are, those are cool now that we have Daphne too, um, because those are both have very strong male and feminine characters in them. Mm -hmm. And so that's helped me kind of figure out how to talk to Daphne about, because the boys, when they're being mean to Daphne, you know, we tell them they're supposed to be slaying the dragon, not, not being the dragon. And so we can talk to Daphne when she's being, you know, unladylike to the boys that you're supposed to act like a princess, not a dragon. Yeah. So I really like, I really like picture books that help me kind of figure out how to navigate life with my kids, I yes. guess. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, I like those ones. The Seven Silly Eaters was helpful for that for me. Oh, yeah. Um, because this was maybe a year, year and a half ago, whenever we were navigating a lot of ungratefulness at the kitchen table, at the dinner table. And the Seven Silly Eaters was helpful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and which is just a super cute book anyway. So I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, we like yeah. the Otis books, the Otis, Otis. tractor, you know him, hmm. you know, Otis. No, I don't. Okay. Otis is a tractor. And, um, there's maybe like four or five of them. They're really cute. We also love for little kids, little, little blue truck series. Oh my gosh. I think I have that memorized. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure we did too. <laughs> little blue um, truck goes down the road. <laughs> who hops up, but his good friend toad. <laughs> Um, the frog and toad books are awesome. Oh my gosh. Those are so, oh, A.A. Milne, the actual Winnie the Pooh books, like the oh, mm -hmm. actual chapter books. Mm -hmm. I've legit peed my pants reading them. They are so funny. And my children <laughs> love those so much. Really? Okay. We've only read like one of them. I think I got from the library. That's another, that's another series that Ari just read over and over and over. And it was, it was so, it was frustrating at times because he was just giggling through all of nap and it was like, just be quiet. How's that so funny? You've read that 50 times, but they're just, the kid humor is so perfect. And those books are so okay. good. Um, so good. We love Hello Ninja. We've always loved Hello Ninja. It's like, it's Valor's favorite book. Andy Wilson's Hello Ninja. I need to get the kids that. He has another. We watched the show. He has another kid book, but we don't have it. I don't remember what it's called either. Is it The Garden? We have, um, I don't know. I think it's called The Dragon in the Garden. We had it for school. It's a, it's a Nate Wilson book. It was really good. Okay. Um, there's tons of cannonball books that I want right now for the kids. Mm -hmm. 
There's a lot. Um, I've been reading through, oh shoot, the, uh, the guy that wrote Angels in the Architecture, is it? James Wilson, I think is his name. Okay. Anyways, he has a series. We're reading Scottish Seas right now. And I read, um, I think it was In the Garden was the other one. But they're like historical fiction books about different Christian people groups in Europe and oh. children and like how they were persecuted. Okay. And it has been really, um, really impactful to my little Ira. In the garden? So, I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I was telling you about where the dad had taken them down to the sea and was talking yeah. about the promises. Yeah. Cool. It's really good. We did The Dangerous Journey, which is like a Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. A kid version. And Ransom really loved that. That was very um, big for him. Uh, reading through that has mm -hmm. good pictures and um, he, yeah, that was one who was like begging to read every day, wanting to read more of. And then there's a movie, a Pilgrim's Progress movie that just came out not that long ago. That's also really good. Have you guys seen that? Huh. Yeah, we're, no, I haven't. We're reading the unabridged Pilgrim's Progress for school right now, but we also have Dangerous Journey. And I was thoroughly impressed with the language in Dangerous Journey. It was very, very similar to the unabridged version. So I think that's a great children's version because I don't like a lot of children's versions of things, but that one is really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, we've like, um, oh gosh, the little, is she a badger? Francis, the Francis books. Have you read those? Oh, uh -uh. uh, Lillian Hoban, I think is the author. She's just a cute, I think she's a badger. They're just cute, funny, more funny kid humor where she just learns different lessons and like so funny. Again, I feed my pants reading them. <laughs> so that one was definitely worth that was one where one of our kids requested the whole series for a birthday present sort of a thing so okay. those are I think they're good for girls too because it's mm -hmm. a female character yeah Ransom and I love the Dragon Masters series that was a fun um it's some of those that you can get at Barnes and Noble and they have like a million of I think there was probably like 17 of those books and um he loved those and then we've done some Magic Treehouse books. Um, do you like, I don't like the Magic Treehouse books that much. I feel like they're just written weird. I haven't read them since I was a little kid. And it's not something that I've ever had. I won't lie. I'm very picky with my actual um, like novels for him. Mm -hmm. I don't let a lot slide into our house. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not that there's anything wrong with them. I just don't think they're written the best. That's what I mean. I, it's not the content necessarily. It's just... Mm -hmm. There's so many better books that why read? Mm -hmm. I'll stop um, right now because I know that's not everyone's opinion. Um, Jared really likes Kevin Love Green and he does a whole series on hunting and fishing and all things outdoors. Oh. So they're really good boy books if you want your children to be interested in that kind of stuff. Are they uh, picture books or what? No, they're chapter books. I oh, had, cool. I pulled some of these, but they're just like, Oh, that's cool. Like this one's called the Snake River Challenge, and the main character is Kevin Lovegreen's son. Um, they call him Lucky Luke in the book, and it's all hunting adventures. And this one's like about them going fishing on the Snake River, and they're all like oh. little tales from their childhood and stuff. They're really cute. Okay. And um, yeah, if your family is into hunting and fishing and outdoorsy stuff, those are definitely ones to look into. And there's quite a few of those, maybe ten or so. Mm -hmm. Um, Ari really likes the Amazon 
Swallows and Amazon series and I had found it years ago and heard it recommended for like healthy sibling relationships, mm -hmm. but um, it's Brian's read them. I haven't read them, but my understanding is that it's like a group of a big, pretty large family of boys and girls that they kind of go off and decide to live on an island on their property alone and how they survive and stuff. And Ari really likes those ones. That's cool. What was it called, Ian? Um, Swallows and Amazons. The author, the last name is, I think it's Arthur Ransom is his name. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, that's an older series. So good. Um, Jared and Ransom read this series. Um, I don't even know what the name of the series is, but this one is The Adventures of um, prickly porcupine, but there's like adventures of Sammy J adventures. There's all these different. Oh, it's characters. the Burgess. Yes, yes. I told him about, Oh wait. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are good ones too. Ari thinks those are funny. Yeah. They loved these and they're, they're pretty short. Um, and there's like some pictures, like these kind of pictures in them mm -hmm. every once in a while. So it's a great for like reading together whenever they're just getting interested in longer. Those ones are really good in regards to character development for sure. Yeah, this one's like 74 pages. So they're really cute though. And um, there's a lot of those as well. You guys might like, he has a bigger Burgess animal book and Burgess bird book. Mm -hmm. I don't like those as much as the smaller ones, but you guys might like him if, if he's really into the, the series. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we've been a fan of those. Sorry. You're okay. <laughs> I, some children in the house are awake today. Oh. So I keep having to do hand signals <laughs> across, the, <laughs> across the room. Um, but yeah, we just, we wanted to install love of reading in our kids at an early age. Just, it took me until college to really love reading um mm -hmm. to really really enjoy it i did it before then but i didn't really love it enjoy it and look look forward to it and we wanted that early and jared um pretty similarly so we wanted our kids to enjoy that way before then um yeah we see the benefit of reading um in a lot of different ways when it, like what you said there's like a definitely a spiritual aspect of it where this is good for a person's spiritual walk if you can enjoy to read yeah. Um, but then also just like with being a human in today's society, you can easily become one that wants entertainment quick and um, like instant gratification when it comes to entertainment. And there's a value to reading a book and not knowing how the story is going to play out for a week. <laughs> you know, um, yes. there's just something really valuable about that when it comes to reading a book. So, um, yeah, anyway. I think too, like studies show that when a child sits, I think it's even an adult maybe, but for sure a child when they sit in front of a screen, the portion of their brain that um, the critical thinking portion is shut off. Mm -hmm. So they're passively consuming yeah. the information that they're receiving. So they, they physically are not capable of figuring out at young ages, is this a good representation? Is this a bad representation? But when they're engaged in reading, their critical thinking has to be there. It's mm -hmm. on, they're reading the words on the page and you are literally developing the moral imagination of the child as they're reading in a way that simply does not happen when they're watching television. Yeah. Awesome. So, so. did I, I want to share this with you. I don't know. Have I showed you this book before? Do you know what the McGuffey yes. readers are? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted okay. those, but they're expensive and I can't, okay. I, I keep hoping to find them at a yard sale one day. So this is a book about the author. Mm -hmm. The subtitle is Piety, Morality, and Education in 19th Century America. And it's about how 
um, readers, early readers used to be, they knew they were training the morality of the child. So they chose specific content and just how they kind of trace how readers have changed. The content of readers have changed to what we are at today with Bob and Sue and Hat and Matt, mm -hmm. which it's, it's not, it's not inherently wrong, mm -hmm. but they're, they are lacking that element of, they were very clearly trying to develop morality when they were teaching readers and we don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's part of why I take a stronger stance on this isn't just, I don't want my child reading Captain Underpants because I know what reading is for. Mm -hmm. And therefore that's all he's reading. So this, this could be a cool book. I actually, I haven't read it. I just got it recently though, but that's what yeah. I heard the synopsis was about. Yeah. I would like to read that. Um, that quote made me think. <laughs> so I told you we were watching, uh, Man in the High Castle and how it's been eerie, how many oh. little things has been like, whoa, that's like 2020. Um, last night in the episode, it was like, uh, if you gain the youth, you control the future. It's like, yep, that's exactly what the Nazis were trying to do. And that's exactly what America is trying to do now. So it's time to guard our children's minds <laughs> because yeah. from books to television to education, in every way, the minds of our children are trying to be shaped from an unbiblical mm -hmm. worldview. So mm -hmm. like you said, it is important of even when we're reading little things, like to be careful mm -hmm. because there'll be little things pop up and it's like, oh, that's not true. You know? Yeah. Cautious. Have I talked about how our public library system works here in Utah before about the library sales? No. Uh, I had a friend who was just like horribly distraught that they were getting rid of some awesome vintage uh, science books. And she was like, how do you guys even decide what you sell and what stays? And she says, well, anything that hasn't been checked out over the last 10 years is what goes. But the problem is when you have a growing populace that does not read and is illiterate and immoral, how do they know what kind of books to check out? Mm -hmm. So literally <laughs> they are just throwing out the best of our books nowadays or straight up burning them now as in some cities. Um, so yeah, even honestly, even the libraries aren't that great of I'm constantly talking on Twitter about Christians need to be pro private library. <laughs> mm -hmm. Seriously. So, yeah. Yeah. Our church has uh, been building out a homeschool co-op library um, over the past couple of years, just that our families can check books. That's awesome. And, um, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christians yeah. have literally died to save literature. Yeah. And don't forget that. That is part of our heritage. Not only did we die for scripture, but we died for the Iliad and the Odyssey. <laughs> so, Okay. Any other books that you're like, oh yeah, I got to definitely mention that one. Um, Eleanor Estes is a good one before we change the publishing laws in America, like the golden age of American children's literature. She was an author from that time period. And so was Jean Stratton Porter. Um, so those are two that I... I'd like to have on hand. Ari really likes the Moffat series from Eleanor Estes. I actually haven't read that one myself, but I'm trying to think of what some other American authors were. I think that's kind of it though. Nathaniel Hawthorne has some cool rewritings of myths and fairy tales that Ari really, really, really liked. So I didn't even read Hawthorne until college. Here my kid is second grade reading Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, I made a bunch of notes of things that you said. And we'll try. Ambleside. Go ahead. Ambleside Online has some awesome free reads lists, where which is kind of where I've I've built Ari's um, books from that. I've used um, 
like mother, like daughter has a library project series on her book list. I use the logos list and I'm trying to think of where I use uh, simply Charlotte Mason's book finder for specific topics. So have you read honey for a child's heart? Um, I haven't just because I've read and listened to so many other people that were influenced by them that yeah. that's why uh, it came with our curriculum this year and it's basically oh, okay. a big by age categorized book list mm -hmm. of what they would consider good books. So yeah, I, I've only read the ones for um, our school age so far, so I can't recommend. All okay. I have a really cool book. It's pretty thick and it was pricey to buy. I don't think it's in print anymore. It's by Christine Miller, and I think it's called History Through the Ages, if I remember correctly. And it's basically a chronological timeline of all of history, and it is um, novels for children based on each time period cool. and topic. Yeah, it's really cool. I haven't um, had to use it yet, but it was something that I was like, I want to have this on a reference when I need it for, you know, the specific time period. Yeah, that's cool. So. All right, well, that's us jabbering on about books for a while. <laughs> if you have any questions, I will do my best to like, I don't know, put some of this in the show notes, but if you have any questions, just message us. That would be maybe easy. It could be fun to go on to our uh, stories this week and kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of our children's because I keep all my children's books in one area. Yeah. Let's try to do that whenever the week that this posts, we'll show you guys some of the covers okay. of the books that we've talked about. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Everybody yeah. happy reading. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the fruitful and fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of the shepherd's crook. The shepherd's crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching resources, and events. We have also started the shepherd's crook for wives. Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site and you can find all the information at the shepherdscrook.co.